The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Hello and welcome to another live edition of What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley. With me tonight is Father William Jenkins. He is a traditional Catholic priest of the Society of St. Pius V. He's also the pastor of Immaculate Conception Church right here in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. How are you tonight? Very fine, Thomas. Thank you. Yourself? Just the same, Father. Great Good to be here. Good to see yes. you. Great to be back for another week. <clears throat> uh, any prayer requests, Father? Oh, yes, we have. Yeah. Uh, well, multiple. Uh, of course, I always ask our viewers to pray for each other, of course, all the Catholic believers, but uh, we have a, a special request to pray for a little child who is undergoing a series of um, surgical procedures right now. And so please keep uh, young Blaze in your prayers. Also, please give you the prayers, the intention of the repose of the soul of Dr. Justin Porto, a very fond traditional Catholic gentleman and uh, physician in New York, and a dear friend for many years, so just passed away of cancer, so please remember him and his mother who survives him. Remember them in your prayers, please. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And there are many others, too. God yes. knows who they are. Pray for them, and he will bless them for your, for your thoughtfulness and your charity. Absolutely. Okay, well, um, Father, in tonight's program, we wanted to um, mention something that's been in the news a lot lately. Um, we've seen a lot of articles about this uh, idea of uh, overpopulation in the world today because this um, reports have come out from the United Nations that they predict, um, I think any, any day now, I think the exact date might be November 15th, they predict that the world will, um, will see its 8 billionth person uh, born. So we're going to reach this milestone of 8 billion people in the, in the world today. And so um, this has, as I say, been in the news a lot. There's been a lot of articles about this. There's a lot of concern about this, at least on, on the left. Um, maybe that, uh, you know, we're reaching some kind of uh, overpopulation crisis and uh, something needs to be done about this. There was um, just a little, <clears throat> a little uh, quote that I wanted to read from the, uh, from the United Nations here where they expressed a lot of their concern about this, they say that uh, rapid population growth makes eradicating poverty, combating hunger and malnutrition, and increasing the coverage of health and education systems more difficult. Um, they say achieving the sustainable development goals, especially those related to health, education, and gender equality, will contribute to reducing fertility levels and slowing global population growth. Um, and there are many other uh, quotes that we could provide, Father, but- Could you read that last part again? They said certain things would, would contribute to slowing the population growth. Mm -hmm. They say, Could you read uh, those again, please? Achieving the sustainable development goals, okay. um, especially those related to health, education, and gender equality, and gender equality will okay. contribute to reducing fertility levels and slowing global population. Okay, they actually population. admit that. That's okay. Yes, yes. Um, but there, there's, there are so many other... Um, as I say, uh, things that we could quote, but there just there seems to be definitely a mm -hmm. lot of concern mm -hmm. about this uh, idea of overpopulation. Do you think, Father, is that a valid concern? Should we be concerned about this idea of overpopulation? Is it possible there are too many people in the world today? Is that something we should be concerned about? Well, uh, it is not 
something that we should be concerned about in the sense that they want us to be concerned. Uh, they want us to be concerned because they tell us that uh, too many people uh, will produce a crisis uh, which will cause uh, terrible disasters and eventually uh, kill off a lot of people, basically. So they, in a sense, they, uh, they're, they're basically warning that there are too many people it's going to impact the quality of life. Mm -hmm. And it's going to impact the quality of life that many people are going to die, uh, which they actually seem to think is rather desirable. If you have too many people, the result is going to be that many people are going to die. You'd think that, okay, well, that maybe they would find their solution in that very problem. But the problem really is not a matter of that at all. The problem is uh, facing the world now is underpopulation. The problem is a dearth of population. The problem, there are books written um, today about the fact that we cannot sustain the populations in the world because of a negative population growth. And um, this, is, this is a studied accomplishment of people who have dedicated themselves. I mean, the zero population growth movement uh, succeeded by the negative population growth movement have had a very profound effect. And uh, uh, largely these ideas are behind what we're witnessing right now. Um, the idea of the, 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 well, he mentions health. You, you just read right there from the United Nations, they're going to use a health, the health uh, approach to um, kind of cull the population, to stop the population growth. They're going to use health-related matters to actually try to control the population. Even the, the gender equality movement, by which they mean everything these days from uh, using artificial birth control and homosexuality to transgenderism, all the rest. I mean, that, that the big, big blanket there. It's all part of their social program is what they're actually telling you. That all of these things are being becoming institutionalized in governments around the world because they're part of this one world government um, program to control the world population. And um, that they're, they, they actually have the idea that we are going to, to control the world's population and to prevent the world from being overpopulated by not only preventing children from being born uh, through abortion. Abortion is a very, very big part of their social program um, because they have to prevent children from being born while at the same time they have to call the herd and make many people die. And there are those... Uh, globalists have made no secret of it, that they actually thought they looked forward to diseases, they look forward to, they talk about pandemics and how terrible it is, but they say it was such a gleeful expression on their face that you can tell what they're really thinking is, well, everybody, let's throw a big pandemic party and, and look forward to the next pandemic. Let's get ready for it, they say, let's prepare for it. But their idea of preparing for a pandemic is to prepare a pandemic, not to prepare to, to fight it and to ward it off. And uh, again, their cure is worse than the disease, mm. as we've seen in this last so-called pandemic that is still, technically speaking, going on because they will not, they will not relent and, and call it off, the global emergency from it. They have to keep it going. Um, you see that they haven't been uh, fully successful as they wanted to be. 
they decry the fact that an 8, eight billionth human being is going to be walking the face of the earth now. This, this actually is, um, gives a lie to it, shows how ridiculous their previous predictions were. Uh, one of these uh, populationists was saying that uh, by the year 2026, the world population will increase to infinity. <laughs> that makes sense, right? That, that, that makes sense. Uh, it will increase to infinity. At the same time, they're telling us we have to uh, prevent the world population from going, growing too large because the quality of life will, will deteriorate to a great extent that there will be mass deaths. But at the same time, they're talking about how we need mass deaths in order to prevent the world population from growing too large in the first place. So they contradict themselves, but what they really show is, is an absolute contempt for human life. They sh the, the human life has been so debased and so degraded, so devalued today, uh, through their ideas, you know, the promotion of abortion, birth control, uh, euthanasia, and uh, so many other programs they bring into, into uh, being under the, uh, the, the, the ridiculous title of healthcare that, uh, that, you know, they're actually deliberately causing deaths, millions and millions of deaths. And yet they, uh, they, they, they say that the human population is the enemy of the earth, uh, that we are the, basically the disease of the earth, we ourselves. Uh, the environmentalists blame us. I mean, the man who, who was actually behind the book, The Population Bomb, by Paul Ehrlich, who wrote in, I think, 1968, at David Brower's uh, request, and also Ian Ballantine, of Ballantine Books, they were encouraging Paul Ehrlich, who was a professor at, at Stanford University, to write this book, The Population Bomb, because Ehrlich was, was one terrifying the world with dire predictions of uh, the human race popul the population growing out of control mm -hmm. and all of the terrible cataclysms that would result. Yeah. And uh, there really was kind of a population terror being incited back then. David Brower was the founder of the Sierra Club. He became too radical for that. And uh, he went off and founded other, uh, other organizations after that. Finally, I think Island Earth or something like that <laughs> became more and more radicalized politically. And, um, but, but all of this was actually the springboard for uh, massive government uh, uh, intervention. It was, it was the argument why they need more and more tyrannical control over the population. And it is what is driving today the climate change crisis, which is a complete fiction. But um, again, they, they use that as a, as a pretext for controlling the nations of the world and their people. Mm -hmm. So this is what we're dealing with right now. And, and it, was been, it has been forecast. Yeah. It has been predicted long before Ehrlich wrote his book in 68, mm -hmm. The Population Bond. Mm -hmm. uh, there were those who saw where this was leading. And uh, as you know, Tom, and I think you have something important to say about that tonight. I mean, this, this was forecast uh, 20 years before Ehrlich's book, that uh, Catholic people were being warned that this was where they were taking us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you, well, you, just, you mentioned uh, Paul Ehrlich, Father. I think one of his main um, contentions in, in the book uh, is that 
I guess sometime in the 1970s, we'd have mass starvations throughout the entire world. And uh, mm-hmm. of course, never never came to be, but there were so many others like him who um, shared so many <laughs> dire predictions that never came anywhere close to, uh, mm-hmm. to actually coming to fruition. But in regards to <clears throat> this overpopulation idea, Father, could, could one possibly um, sh- share some of these concerns, maybe ha- have concerns about their, um, there being too many people in the world, not necessarily um, subscribe to all of the, these leftist ideals that, that you mentioned? Because, I mean, we live in a, a finite world. There's only um, a certain amount of, of resources that we have here in the world. So could one um, possibly still be a, I don't, I don't know, a Catholic, a, a conservative, um, you know, a, a good person, uh, but just be concerned that, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're using up our finite resources. There are too many of them and have that kind of uh, viewpoint kind of balanced out in a way. Is that well, c- could one be a good Catholic and uh, prescribe, uh, subscribe to the idea of sustainability, that we need to be good stewards of the earth, yeah. we can't uh, pollute the earth, and we can't abuse uh, God's creation. And yeah, there, there definitely is a, a serious position about that. I mean, as Catholics, we understand that God has pl- placed us in charge here under his fatherly care, and uh, he says to Adam and Eve, when he created them and joined them, increase, multiply, and fill the earth. And he meant that. He wanted human life to fill the earth. Um, and in fact, he equipped us to do exactly that with all the climates and all the rest. You know, every now and then you, you see these programs that talk about uh, the, the great inventions of mankind. Uh, that some of these programs will give you a countdown, like the 10 greatest inventions of mankind. Uh, among them will be uh, the wheel, right, necessarily, the inclined plane, the pulley. You know, we'll have, find all of these basic mechanical devices. We'll find refrigeration was very important. The discovery of fire, that we didn't invent it really, it was discovery of fire and its usefulness. But really, I think they missed the point. I, I think they all missed the greatest single invention in the history of mankind. And the greatest single invention of the history of mankind, I believe, was clothing. Clothing. I mean, clothing. We read about it in the Bible after Adam and Eve sinned, right? First thing they did was reach for clothing because they felt threatened by the world around them and uh, embarrassed and all the rest. But when you think about it, clothing um, was very, very important for us in dealing with the things of the world as we had to after the fall because uh, we still had the command of God to go forth and increase, multiply, and fill the world. And clothing uh, served all of those purposes. I mean, everything from uh, the fig leaf, you know, that that Adam and Eve chose, all the way to our spacesuits that enabled us to walk on the moon. There are those who deny it, but uh, uh, that enabled us to go into space. And, uh, uh, you know, you look around the world and you see how clothing is so protective, the hazmat suits and, and uh, suits that protect us, uh, enable us to go through into fires, you know, and fire rescues and uh, uh, so many things we do. They enabled us to actually uh, overcome the challenges of the climates in the world too, to live uh, in, in uh, Alaska, to live in, uh, up in the Arctic Circle. It enabled us... Clothing enabled us to venture into parts of the world which we could never go otherwise. I mean, all the animals on the earth are limited by what they can survive. We human beings, by virtue of the clothing, the suits, the attire, 
the protective uh, gear that we make for ourselves, we can go everywhere. It has opened the doors to everywhere on the planet and even off the planet because we can devise, we can, in a sense, uh, carry our environment with us everywhere we go. That is a tremendous tribute to the fact that we're in the image of God and we can devise these things um, to actually fulfill God's command to go and fill the earth. Mm-hmm. And mankind can live throughout the entire planet you know, and they can make themselves live comfortably and sustainably. Um, back to the word sustainability. Um, but we, have, we do have an obligation uh, not to poison the world, it's true. And we do see a great, these, these massive corporations uh, using their power and uh, often power to uh, just defeat governments and defeat laws uh, to pollute and poison. Uh, this isn't right. It isn't Catholic. We as Catholics would need to oppose it. But that's not what we're talking about with these people. These people are not just looking at a matter of right and wrong. They're, they're, ideo- they're ideologues. Uh, they have an ideology, and their ideology um, leads them to have a certain contempt for human life. That human life has no intrinsic value. The only value of human life is what service it can render to them and their, and their plans. Um, so, if, for example, a, a, a Joseph Stalin has to see 11 billion um, people die uh, with, to serve his plan, that'd be fine. But there aren't 11 billion people. Uh, but uh, if they had to, if, if, he could, if he had them at hand and they served his purpose, there'd be no problem with it. As it turns out, there were actually anywhere from 8 to 11 million Ukrainians who died during the Hodolomor. Uh, Stalin seizing their food supply. Notice seizing their food supply to starve them to death and sell their food on the open market, the international market, to raise money for his war machine. And, uh, but this is, this is how they view human life. It is there to serve their purpose. We're dealing with ideologues here who think that they own the world and that the rest of us are at, at best uh, servants and at most uh, at worst a nuisance to be gotten rid of. Mm. Uh, I could mention Bill Gates uh, in this regard. He certainly has shown sign of having that mentality, and he's not alone. Mm. Um, so that is absolutely not a Catholic understanding, and that's totally contrary to Catholic understanding. Catholic understanding that human life, it consists not only body, but soul, body and soul. We are creatures composed of body and soul, and our souls are, are created by God in His own image, Flawed now because of sin, true, because of original sin. But the image of God still remains naturally in us. And uh, by the grace of God, hopefully we can be, as, he, as our Lord said, be converted and live and have the, the supernatural grace of the divine life within the soul. And have not only the natural image of God within us, but also the very likeness of God within us by grace. And that's what we're called to. That's what God created us for. Mm-hmm. And so you can't simply trade in human lives. Yeah. Uh, that's why we cannot negotiate abortion. We cannot tell them, uh, well, look, we'd be satisfied if you'd only killed half as many children by abortion, or maybe one-tenth. We'll, we'll agree to it. We'll is- enter in some kind of a compromise with you where you can kill uh, so many, maybe 100,000 children this year in abortion. And uh, we think, well, we're saving... 
the rest. But no, we've just agreed to the death of 100,000 children. And that's murder, 100,000 murders. And we can't compromise. Uh, lives are not, are not a commodity to be, to be bartered, as far as we're concerned, as far as Catholics. But as far as the globalists concerned, that's exactly what human life is. It is a commodity to be bartered and to be manipulated and uh, to be uh, exploited. And this is what they're, they're trying to do. With all this talk about sustainability, all, all that they mean by that is, let's see what we can manage. How well we can manage the earth for ourselves. Uh, after all, you have the human population of the world, which is like the herd. <clears throat> and they are the, uh, basically, they're the, they're the masters. And uh, we are too uh, stupid and uh, foolish in order to, uh, to, to actually govern ourselves, frankly, in their view. And um, they uh, must therefore govern us. They, and they act as though they own the world. I mean, that you have a Bill Gates saying he's going to, he's plotting to launch into the atmosphere uh, clouds of nanoparticles that will reflect the Earth's sunlight away from the Earth, that will reflect sunlight away from the Earth and darken the Earth's atmosphere to, to combat climate change. Who does he think he is? As though the atmosphere of the world belongs to him? As though the entire Earth belongs to him, that he can do that? that will, why is this not considered pollution? Uh, but this is what he says he's going to do, then there was a time when supposedly they, he backed off from that, and now uh, Joseph Biden is having uh, the United States government look into this and examine this as a possibility. And, um, you know, they see from the history of the world the damage done by nuclear winter, but they actually want to play God. Um, they actually have in a sense, not only canonize themselves as saints, they've actually deified themselves as gods. Uh, George Soros explicitly has said so, that he feels like a god because of his billions, and he can do as he wishes. Not for his own benefit, but he can do whatever he wishes for the rest of us, too. Yeah. And uh, we have no control and no right to have any control. So this is what we're dealing with when it comes to this, all this talk about overpopulation. Mm -hmm. Well, Father, I, a, couple, uh, a couple of things in regards to, I think, some, some important points that you made. Um, one, you, you mentioned how our Lord, you know, he gives the command to Adam and Eve to, to increase, multiply, and fill the earth. Well, uh, you know, that, I guess that, that certainly would still apply to, to us. So that's the very first command that he ever gave to the, to the human race. It still applies to us today, and we see that command has not been fulfilled uh, completely. Mm -hmm. The earth is not filled um, yet with, with humankind, but we, we uh, I think, have this this tendency to kind of view the natural beauty of, of, of earth, the natural creation that, that God made, and, and view that as kind of this pristine, sacred, um, you know, holy thing that, that we can't touch, and somehow that that is superior to human life. But in fact, it, is it not true, Father, that God made the this natural world, this natural creation, He made that for human beings, mm -hmm. thus implying, at the very least, that the uh, the human being is a is a far superior creation to the actual natural um, world that he has created for us. So well, exactly, Tom. And the fact is, the greater the population has grown, the more wealth has been produced, and the greater 
yeah. the greater comfort and uh, quality of life has improved. Yeah, and that's to, to your other point about the, the, the clothing invention, you know, uh, some of the these dire population um, bomb and <laughs> these other predictions that we hear all the time, the one thing that, that they always uh, leave out is this human ingenuity and uh, they never account for, um, you know, human inventions. And I think that the fact that the population is, is growing that uh, you know, they say that, that necessity is the mother of invention. Well, that has time and time again throughout the human race uh, proven to be true that if there is this need, we, we never can predict the invention that is going to come about to solve the problem that we see now. Mm-hmm. We've seen this play out time and time and time again. There's um, actually a practical example of it right now, which I don't know anybody's ever thought about. I mean, somebody must have, but nobody's expressed it. I mean, they talk about how the a meteorite struck the Earth. Well, meteorites have struck the Earth many times, obviously. But some uh, particularly large, some massive meteorites have struck the Earth, left enormous craters, and wiped out the dinosaurs, they say, right? And uh, just wiped out many species of uh, plants and animals on the face of the Earth. And talk about human ingenuity. Now, we're here, and we're devising means to attack the incoming yeah. asteroids, to detect them and to divert them, blow them up, as though now we would be cast in the role of the saviors of the species of the world, right? <laughs> After being told all these years that we're the ones who destroyed the dodo bird yeah, or whatever else, fun. you know. Yeah. But we're actually devising a means to protect the Earth from this onslaught, yeah. which they're all saying is inevitably going to happen at some time in the future, unless we find a way to protect the Earth and all of its living species against this. And we're the only ones who can do this. So, I mean, they should be depicting us as the great heroes. And it's maybe it's a far-fetched example, but I think it does explain, in a a strange way, even in our own day, how human ingenuity has done so much good. I mean, you have the the hunters out there whom they portray as, you know, being a rather bloodthirsty lot, but they're the ones who have the greatest interest in promoting the species of the animals. They, they, they want the, uh, the, uh, the deer and, the, and, and, and so on. They want them to thrive. And they've invested uh, millions of dollars in protecting these species. Um, they don't want them eradicated, so they've done my thing to, to protect them. And again, this is human ingenuity, wanting to protect the, the, the species of the world. Mm-hmm. We're the ones who get along with all the species of the world, more or less. You know, <laughs> they don't get along with each other very well necessarily, mm-hmm. but we do. Uh, we want to adopt them all, as, as in a sense. Really. Mm-hmm. Father, you, you you mentioned abortion too. Um, yeah, I think one of the perfect I- illustrations of just how exactly backward um, our our society, our, our whole world is, is that um, you know, as you say, we can we can have um, the, these mass starvations that wipe out tens of millions of people. Um, we can have abortion that, that kills hundreds of millions of people throughout the world. But yeah, that's, that's just a number, that's nothing, it means absolutely nothing. And yet um, we have one, uh, you know, I remember um, several, several years back there was, I think, uh, was it Cecil the lion? Um, this, this big majestic lion in Africa who was famous some of what was oh. was killed by I guess by a hunter or something That's right. and there was outrage across the entire world mm. over this one lion mm. um, that that had been killed and you see this mm. time and time and time well, again. look at Harambe here yeah yeah Harambe yeah, right. yes yeah. the child was squalling in his yeah. enclosure there and they thought well 
-hmm. one you know from one second to the next the the the, the ape could just mm -hmm. liquidate the child mm -hmm. so they thought it, we'd have to then kill the ape and you still see people wearing these t-shirts like yeah. Rumi yeah. in his memory yeah. you know but there are millions and millions of children who've died and they they don't count. Isn't that exactly backwards, though, to value this? It this is. But that's a, a sign of pagan. Pagan society glorifies the animal. Human life means little in pagan societies, and animal life is glorified and almost deified and worshipped. That's how it is in pagan society. It's always been that way. And that's where we are now. You know, Tom, it is a fact that the, the, more, the more human population has grown, the more wealth has been produced. Yes. And the whole population has, has, has actually raised uh, in its... I mean, even the poor in some societies are richer than the rich were in some former societies. Yes. You know? yes. They have amenities that people, even the wealthy in former societies, never dreamed of. Yep. You know? So, um, you know, poverty is a relative thing. You know? uh, there are very, very few people in, uh, in developed societies that don't have some some means of having food, and have to worry, have to worry about going to bed hungry at night. There's someone there would would take care of them. That's how it, at least it, it would be wherever there was, let's say, a Catholic, truly a Christian society, that would exercise the spiritual and corporal works of mercy to take care of people. Mm -hmm. But as that has faded away and failed in our time with the new order that has come in since Vatican II, uh, we find that. The, the, the whole social system is deteriorating with the deterioration of the quote-unquote religious system here. Mm. But uh, it is a fact, though, that the, the more people uh, there are in the world, the, the, the more wealth is produced. Uh, unfortunately, when you get into a society that has been taken over by an oligarchy, uh, let's say the secret societies promoting themselves, promoting their members into positions of power, uh, they tend to siphon off the wealth. And the problem is not overpopulation. The problem is that you have a few enslaving the many. Mm. And it's that's, that system of socialism, a uh, system of a systematic oppression. The secret societies have an enormous amount to do with that. Yeah. But it's, it's not that the system itself, let's say the capitalist system produces a great deal of wealth. There can be a corruption of capitalism, which actually leads directly into socialism. Uh, the credit system uh, can uh, be so uh, perverted that everyone becomes a, a debt slave yeah. and entire nations become enslaved by debt and then you have socialism. Yeah. Um, but this is a perversion of these, of these things. It's not what they are in themselves. It's where they go bad. It's where they go wrong. But we have a situation today where we have uh, like a handful of billionaires who are trying to basically engineer, socially engineer the entire world. Yeah. And uh, they seem to focus on uh, white, white people, especially. But, but you see, I think it, we can make a mistake about that. It's not just that they want to oppress and restrict white people. Because these same people, like Bill Gates, his name keeps coming up because he's everywhere, it seems, and meddling in everything, have been involved in vaccination programs in Africa that have been very deadly for the population there. And so they have as much concern about 
they're, they're eugenicists. I mean, look at Margaret Sanger. They want to eliminate them, uh, or at least to cull the black population. Percentage-wise, I mean, per capita, more black babies are, are aborted than any other, I think, racial group, according to, you know, population. And uh, these eugenicists, as they're called, really want to, they see, the, they see the growth of population of these African countries and these poor countries of Africa, poor societies in Africa, and they want to stop that. And they're actually hell-bent on, on, on culling that. I think that what we're witnessing here in this country is their understanding that in order to um, control the white population, they have to take a special tack because they can't, they can't just, as it were, so easily exercise control over us. So I think they find it necessary to uh, double down on the white population to uh, exercise control over their multipl multiplication, over their population, because they're not so easy to control. And they find a way around, around the, the programs of these people, and they resist them. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, they don't meet that resistance elsewhere. So, uh, I mean, I, I remember uh, actually going to a barber some years ago uh, who had been in a German Stalag. was captured, was a POW of the German Nazis during the World War II. And he was describing the Stalag for me. And he, he said they had various other national nationalities mm -hmm. of the Allies who were being held in the Stalag. And the, let's say the Russian prisoners of war were kept in pens over here and other uh, Allies, the Brits and so on. And the Americans were kept uh, in one part of the Stalag, he said, he said this. Now, again, I, I mean, he just said this. I can't tell you whether it's true or not. I can't tell you even his name at this point. But he pointed this out as a personal observation. He says he saw that the Russian prisoners of war gave them very little trouble because all they had to do is beat them into submission. But he said with the Americans... We were constantly giving the Nazis trouble because the more they beat us, the more we were out to show them that they could not control us. And the more they beat us, the more trouble we gave them because we were constantly, constantly showing them in so many different ways that they did not have control of us and we were not giving up. And, um, and I think that was characteristic of the American spirit, you know. Yeah. And I, I think the globalists find that the problem with, that they have to overcome. That's why I think they're doubling down on the white population right now, try to demonize the white population and turn the whole world against the white population because to the globalists, they represent a unique problem. Yeah. Well, they seem to be doing a very good job, Father, because I believe it's by, I think it's uh, now they're saying by around 2050, the year 2050, mm -hmm. the white uh, population will be a minority mm -hmm. in, uh, in America. So we'll... Um, We'll see what happens with that. We'll see. Well, if we they've made a lot of predictions, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, well, but but to, to sum up this uh, this topic, Father, you, would, I think, as traditional Catholics, we could say um, that we should, in fact, celebrate the fact that we are about to reach this milestone of, of eight billion people in the world. We should wish for more people in the world. We should celebrate life. We should give thanks to God for the life that He has given. Um, we should welcome large large families and more life. Um, on the earth, and we should be. We should certainly because life is a good thing, you know, 
uh, it is God-given. At the same time, though, we should be concerned about the souls who are coming into the world yeah. and what's going to become of them. Yeah. Because if they're coming into the world and going to be ultimately uh, face eternal death in hell, yeah. that should spur us on. Appreciating the God-giving life should spur us on then to act accordingly as Catholics, to try to do everything we can to save the souls that we can. You and I can't save those souls. Only Jesus Christ, the Savior of mankind, can... Uh, the Redeemer of mankind, the Savior of the faithful, only He can be their Savior. But it is our job to represent Him here as well as we can by our faith mm -hmm. and to uh, teach our faith to make it known not only, in uh, not only in terms of its doctrines but its practical application and the way we live our lives. Yeah. So we see the great missionaries of the Catholic Church throughout the centuries and uh, we ourselves have to be those missionaries today. We have to be going up to these people and representing our faith. Uh, there is a, a very powerful effort to, to silence us, but we must not be silenced. Remember the, uh, the blind man who heard the crowd going by one day and he asked, what is all the noise? And they said to him, well, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And what did he do? He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what did the crowd do? They tried to stop him. They tried to silence him. And what did he do? He cried out all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you know what happened, right? Our Lord said, bring him to me. And he gave him his sight. So we have to pray that for the blind of the world who do not know our Lord, that um, he will open, open their eyes. But first we have to tell them uh, that Jesus Christ is, is here, that he is passing by, as it were. And um, we have to, um, to lead them to him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, to inspire them, we have to try to do everything we have to inspire them to ask, Lord, that I may see, that they can receive the faith, the grace of faith. Mm -hmm. That's our role. God forbid we should fail in that role. Mm -hmm. And I would say our Lord isn't even passing by. He's actually stationed He's here. He's stationed in the, in the yeah, Blessed, in the blessed Sacrament and yeah. the Holy Mass. Too. Yeah. Um, well, well, Father, that um, I think can maybe lead into uh, just the last thing we wanted to to uh, touch on tonight. Um, was one of our our very most dedicated uh, dedicated viewers, um, great great friend of the the program, actually came across something of uh, great interest and and actually sent a copy of this to us. And it's um, a a uh, I guess you would call it a comic um, book called uh, the the publication is Is This Tomorrow. Um, I think we can put a, a, a picture of this up on the screen. Um, but it's, it's titled America Under Communism. And this is from 1947. This was, this was printed. I think it was put out by, the, um, by the, a catechetical uh, guild from St. Paul, Minnesota, yeah. I, I believe. Part of their educational series. Yeah. Yes. And, um, but it, it um, pr pr presents a, uh, a, I don't want to say fictional, but... Um, a, uh, a story of, uh, via this comic form of, of what communism it's, coming it's to America might look format. like. Yeah. Comic book format, but it's not comic at all. It's no. a, a, it tells a very important story. Remember, 1947, the population bomb came out in 68, 21 yeah. years later. Yeah. They saw what was coming. They knew. With the wisdom that faith gave them in 1947, this is just, you know, within a couple of years after the end of World War yeah. II. Yeah. They knew what communism was, and they knew what its program was. Yeah, and it's um, it's it's um, I, I think 
terrifying is how I would I would describe it reading through this. Um, I, I had just seen uh, bits of this in, in the past. I never read through the entire thing, but, but thankfully our, our... But what do you think of the salient points of that? Would, would you recommend that, Tom? I read that a while ago. You've read it. Yeah. Read through it now. Would you recommend it to every all of our viewers? I recommend everybody, every American father. Is anyway. it possible that we can make it available? Yes. I know it's available online as a PDF, mm -hmm. right? Yes, right. And we, we have that link um, below if you're on our wcbohio.com website uh, watching the, the live stream of this video. Um, underneath that in the description, there's actually a link. Uh, wcbohio.com website, mm -hmm. the link is there. Yes, right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep, to, to the, this can be gotten in a hard copy also. It can. Right? It can. Yes, yes. It's, it's in the public domain. I think it's uh, readily available. I want all of our students to read this, mm -hmm. at least down to a certain grade level, because it, does, it tells the hard truth. Yeah. But what are the salient points in there that you think as far as the program? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, as you say, 1947, this was written, I mean, 75 years ago, I think. And um, mm -hmm. it's, it's striking to read through this. The first time I read through it, I think it um, I mean, almost just left me feeling kind of sick to my stomach, seeing, seeing how much of this, this program of communism that they, uh, that they put out here has actually come to pass and is actually happening in America today. But uh, some of the, the salient points is that um, their, their entire... Um, program that they present the the communists using to 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 grab power in America to turn America into a communist uh, communist state is that uh, the whole thing starts with a, a crisis. Um, they say that they they have this this plan and what they need is a crisis in place first, and they can use this crisis to grab power um, and and then to implement their their plan from there. And in the the comic, they um, they 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 propose a real crisis in America with a drought. Um, that that happens and uh, you know kind of destroying the, the the crops the farmland in America and they they mentioned some of the uh, the communist agents that are in the American government they see this as their opportunity they seize this and they begin to, to set their their plan in place by using this real crisis of, of a drought and this affects the food supply it affects the food supply and that really is the the center of everything that they do because they say they can control the food supply they can control every aspect of society. They can control every member of society. Um, so, and it, it gives uh, it gives them a, a a motive, I guess, an incentive to kind of take over, grab power under the pretext of, of solving this this problem. Mm. Uh, so, 1947. Fast forward to uh, 2022, mm. and the world director of food supply or whatever it yeah. uh, it was a UN position. Yeah. David Beasley yeah. has just come out and predicted it will be hell on earth in 2023 because of the lack of food. Yeah, yeah. No connection? <laughs> well, I was thinking hearing that, someone asked, Father, why, why in the world is, does that position even exist? I think, it, I think it was director of food. Was it just director of food? Right, It might right. have been just director of yeah, food. Um, something to that effect, yeah. Maybe, David, yeah. David Beasley is yeah, his name. Yeah, yeah. But but so they um, throughout this this story they um, they carry out their their plan in, in striking detail. But when they this food crisis comes about, they they grab power because of this. They appoint their um, their 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 communist representatives and, and places of power in the American government. And one of the the first things they do is um, is set out with a bunch of, of strikes. Um, they they you know halt halt uh, halt work and and all sorts of, of different different fields. Something that we certainly have have seen recently. Shut down production. Shut yeah. down shut down production. That's the main thing because they they uh, at one point here they even say, um, despite all of, all of their efforts, there is still too much food, and so they redouble their efforts to cut down the food supply. Mm -hmm. 
to uh, you know tighten the grip even more around the the food supply. But in in conjunction with that, they uh, they they present the communists and their agents working very hard to destroy any kind of uh, middle class traditional values. Mm -hmm. um, they even say through their their agents, their people in Hollywood, the the immoral propaganda that they put out. They talk about destroying the idea of the sacredness of life. They talk about mercy killings and and other things in here. Again, very prevalent, something that we see yeah. very much today. But also, um, and, and throughout all of these, these strikes that they're occurring, all, all of these stoppages of, of labor and, and uh, uh, the, the means of production, there is also a section about the police officers turning against the police officers mm -hmm. because they're trying to quell these, these, these riots, these strikes. And so they... Now the police, police are the enemy. The police are the enemy. Are they make them out the enemy. They set out to get them. Again, something that we have definitely seen um seen in america today but it it goes on and on father it just talks about um how they have their their people in positions of power everywhere um throughout all all branches of the the press um every sector of the the government and um uh they they just as the world economic forum boasts now that they yeah, have their men yeah. and women in place in all the governments of the world mm -hmm. they control the young yeah. Political yeah. talent that's gone the up and come. It, it, yeah, and this notably Justin Trudeau in Canada. I mean, they yeah, named them. Others, yeah. Yeah. And this, this, um, it said at the the time this is written, they say there are they there are approximately eighty five thousand official members of the Communist Party in the United States. They say many, um, you know, that that's only the the official, you know. Uh, oh yeah, that catalog. doesn't include all of the Communist Chinese who are operative here. Yeah, and and feeding the Communist Party. If, if that was an accurate number, eighty five thousand. Um, 75 years ago, one can only imagine what that number yes. has has ballooned to now. But it, um, just a, a very striking, I don't know, very very poignant book. I think reading through this father and just seeing the plan that they lay out, how um, how meticulous they they work through every tiny little detail of it, and they are just so incredibly uh, successful. They're so incredibly organized. Um, they have accounted for every ounce of opposition that anyone could possibly wage against them. They have mm -hmm. a plan in place to combat that. Just um, it's really diabolically clever. Really. It is. It is. It's. It's very. I mean, one has to marvel at their. Uh, I don't know their efficiency. Their. their As uh, Father Becca, Father Frederick Becca said, yeah. who was imprisoned by the Communist Chinese, uh, he said, "Communist organization." Communist organization. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's uh, it's it's just incredible how meticulous they are. It, They've it thought is, it all yeah. through. Yeah. Um. I mean, and again, obviously, this this is um, you know, a, a fictionalized version, but I mean, it um, the way they present it definitely seems very realistic, and you just see so much of this happening in America. But it all really started with this this food, um, the the food crisis, and I think we kind of see that happening today. But they. They go and they talk about the the ration food ration cards uh, that that they put out. You know they can use these if someone you know acts against them or voices any kind of opposition. They can simply revoke their 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 ration card. Mm -hmm. um, they they said about establishing concentration camps. You know if farmers don't uh, you know send their crops to where the government wants them to go, mm -hmm. they can just simply ship ship them to these uh, concentration camps, and it just spirals out of control from there where um you know they can control every aspect of the population well you know tom when that came out in 47 i don't know what the reception was um i didn't see copies of that floating around everywhere mm -hmm. it wasn't until later that i actually came across a copy of that yeah um but 
the, the thing is, there are those who might have read that in 1947 and thought, well, this is pretty fantastic. How could this ever happen here? Yeah. And uh, maybe they didn't see how prophetic it was. But people picking up a copy of that now, today, and reading through it, yeah. they would say they knew exactly what they were talking about. They understood communism. They knew what the communists were up to. And at least these days, nowadays, if you showed that to someone actually is paying attention in the world today, it would answer a lot of questions of why is this happening. Yeah. So and even though people might not have been too keen to uh, believe it back then, yeah. nowadays I think they'd be compelled to say, yes, this is, this is true. This is what we're seeing happening before our very eyes. And I, I think it's very concerning, Father, to read through this because, as I say, you, you see every single aspect of their plan um, very manifest in the United States today with... Uh, class warfare and the breakdown of traditional values and uh, um, just just everything in there. The only thing really that that is missing is um, some kind of real uh, crisis for mm -hmm. them to come in and kind of take over and just set the whole. The well, they're whole working on that plan in place. Yeah, and the, that's that's the only thing that's missing. Um, they're working on that. It seems they they maybe might have uh, used the uh, so-called COVID crisis as, as an attempt. <coughs> Well, a drought would be not worldwide necessarily, mm. but a, uh, a disease could be, yeah. like a pandemic. So you can see why they'd settle on that. Mm -hmm. But certainly we might be facing drought conditions in America. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, the fact is the Mississippi River is a main artery, which uh, provides by its barge traffic uh, a great supply route for grains and beans and all the rest. Uh, a great deal of food supply travels the Mississippi River. Mm. And there are parts of the Mississippi that are so low, barge traffic cannot get through. Barges are, are just stacked up. We saw uh, pictures of the, uh, of the uh, cargo ships uh, stacked up, yeah. right? Dozens and dozens and dozens of them off the coast, unable to unload their, their uh, shipments at the ports, right? Mm -hmm. um, but now we're seeing that happening right in the heart of America on the Mississippi River with the barges that yeah. are just stuck there and not going anywhere. And uh, piles and piles of food stuff are just left immobile, just, just left there. You know, Tom, um, so they could use, let's say, uh, a pandemic to create a worldwide crisis yeah. and then capitalize on that, which is exactly what they did. But then they can choose a particular crisis, like a, a drought, um, and then and capitalize on that. Anything that would enable them to control the population by controlling the food supply. And uh, this man, Beasley, is predicting uh, mass death by starvation, actually. Yeah. It sounds like the Hodolomor all over again. Yeah. Uh, I assume our people, our people who are watching know what that is, H-O-D-O-L-O-M-O-R, in, uh, in uh, the Ukraine back in the 1930s. Um, mass starvation, where people were actually not just dying because of lack of food. Yeah. Their food was stolen from yeah. them in a massive government program under communism, uh, specifically for the purpose of starving them to death because they were the middle class. And the middle class has no place in a communist society. Mm -hmm. the, um, by the way, Tom, that came out in '47. It was a catechetical guild publication, which was a Catholic publication from St. Paul, Minnesota. And it would have been 
had certainly some kind of uh, program to fight communism and to prevent our society from falling into communist control, right? You would think that somewhere in that book they would say, this is what we have to do now as Catholics to prevent this communist takeover that they planned and that they're hell-bent on bringing about. Mm -hmm. What kind of program do they have for us here? <laughs> what do they say we had to do to prevent this? Well, actually, on the back cover of the, the book, Father, it says, in big bold letters, fight communism with ten commandments of citizenship. And uh, the very short, I'll just read through the ten commandments. Number one is know your government. Uh, number two, know the issues before it. Number three, keep up on foreign problems. Number four, be tolerant of other, of other races, religions, and nationalities. Number five, practice your own religion. Number six, read newspapers and magazines critically. Number seven, use your vote. Number eight, follow closely the actions of your elected representatives. Number nine, join political organizations. Number ten, be American first. That is what the catechetical guild of this Catholic outfit recommends as the means. For fighting communism. Well, no, no, no wonder it didn't no work. Wonder. No wonder it failed no wonder. miserably, right? <laughs> Be tolerant no of other religions. Uh, well, it's one thing to be tolerant of others, right? Uh, the church has shown a great more toleration than any other uh, group on the face of the earth. The church has been uh, very tolerant, in some cases tolerant to a fault. But the idea of be American first, well, where is the message of the Catholic faith there? Yeah. Our Lord Jesus Christ's name isn't even mentioned there. You know, practice your faith, whatever that may be. Uh, and uh, it doesn't even mention our Lord. Yeah. doesn't mention uh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a miserable. The, 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 what's, what's contained in, in that cover is very, very powerful. Yeah. And not only is it true uh, in terms of what's coming in the future, it's true of what's happening right now. It enables you to understand what, why this all fits and why, why it's happening. Yeah. But then they come to that. And that's a disgrace, really. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tragedy. I mean, what would you say? Uh, pray. You don't have to be a doctor. You have a doctor in, in, yeah. in dogmatic or, or, or moral theology. And, you know. well, well, Father, if this was put out in, in 1947, that was 30 years after Our Lady of Fatima appeared, right? And she... Right. At the very least, alluded to this. Hap well, no, I guess explicitly when talking about the hairs of, of Russia, Russia. Russia will spread her hairs throughout the world. And she gave us the program. She told us what to do. She said to pray and do penance. She said to pray the rosary. Um, yeah, and that says nothing. Nothing about that. about that. Nothing. It's so tragic. And I think it's kind of insulting too that they call it the Ten Commandments of, of right. citizenship. <laughs> well, <laughs> as though that's some, you know, replacing the ten other than the Ten Commandments yeah. of God. Yeah. I mean, if they said only this, practice the Ten Commandments of God, <laughs> that, would be pretty good start. Uh, that would be a very good start <laughs> because Our Lady at Fatima said, stop sinning. Yes. That's the first part of the program, right? Yeah. Following the Ten Commandments would be, would be the way to go. But no, they didn't say that. No. So we can see why if that was their formula for, for success, why it failed so miserably. Mm -hmm. But what we need to do is republish that and give the Ten Commandments of God as the beginning and actually, the whole message of Our Lady of Fatima—that's—that's mm -hmm. uh, that's the tragedy of it all. Okay. Even when they got the uh, the story right, they got the moral wrong. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, uh, Father, for anyone um, who's interested, and again, we would recommend this to everyone, I think. Um, it's it's the publication itself is called Is This Tomorrow? And this particular edition is America Under Communism. Again, we have the link to the PDF on, uh, in the description of our video, but uh, maybe we'll, we'll see what we can do about making hard copies available. Uh, it's available for purchase online. Yeah, well, if we can get copies of that available for people, but if we, people then we would be able to add, yeah. insert in there the real program. Yeah. Of uh, of heaven, you know, as to how, how we can defeat this yeah. this uh, this specter of hell in the world today. Um, you know, our, our Lady told us stop sinning. Ourselves live in the state of grace, make reparation for the sins of others, sins of mankind, consecrate ourselves to our immaculate heart mm -hmm. in prayer through the Rosary, the five first Saturdays. And uh, in very special ways, I mean, a very specific and very clear, personal act of consecration of ourselves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Um, this, this is the Catholic program. No. That is not. No. Um, in fact, you know, if I were a communist, and I were to say, well, gee, this book is terrible. We can't let people get this. They'll, 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 they'll find out what we're up to. But if we can't control the inside, let's at least insist on writing the cover ourselves and tell people, this is what you have to do to defeat us, you know, <laughs> knowing that that would obviously be totally impotent yeah. to defeat the, uh, the hellish doctrine of communism. It almost seems like maybe the communists even infiltrated the church, Father. Well, uh, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, they did, huh. right? Uh, Bella Dodd made it very clear. The clergy, uh, and uh, they left no stone unturned on their uh, their diabolical dedication to. You know, I talked about how these globalists have a a certain hatred toward human life, yeah. and it, it's it's a, a, a hate. You might think it's a malicious hatred to want to destroy all human life. <clears throat> well, they're talking about fusing. Uh, I mean, what's his name? Schwab is talking about bringing together your biological, your physical, and your digital identity. Yeah. And you had to have a digital identity to live in the digital world they're creating. So it's almost as though they're creating the matrix in which we're all going to have to live as long as they allow us to live the lives that they're allowing us to live at their service, okay? But it's actually a hatred of God. They, they hate God who made this world. Uh, they have... A, a malice toward you and me, but like the devil himself. Uh, the devil has a certain hatred for us because he sees in us an image of God, and he, and he wants to destroy that. Not just the likeness of God and grace, he wants to destroy in us even the image of God. And the, his malice will be vented on that image of God even in hell with the souls there, because by nature they, they have that image of God. And uh, that, that hatred will be there, burning there forever and the... In the in the spirit of Satan. But his real malice is toward God himself. His real malice and his real grudge, as it were, his eternal grudge now, is, is against God himself. And anything he can do to strike at, at God, as impotent as he is to do so, uh, he will take. And uh, he can only strike at God through us right now. That's all he can reach. Um, we must make ourselves unreachable to him. And we had, the only way we can make ourselves unreachable uh, to him 
spiritually is by being in the state of grace and living in the state of grace and being absolutely dedicated to our Lord Jesus Christ and uh, his sacred heart and his love and uh, to the faith that he's given us in our traditional Catholic Church. We have to follow that absolutely and not be de deviate from that in the slightest, not compromise it with it in any way, not with a known order in the modern church, not with uh, ecumenism in any, in any form, certainly not with any uh, worldly ideas of the world economic forum. Um, they, they say you will be happy, you will own nothing and you will be happy because you will be totally disenfranchised. Well, guess what? Uh, the happiness that they're presenting there, uh, this, is, this is absolute misery that they are offering. But that's how the devil, when the devil tempts you to sin, he's offering you a false happiness, the illusion of happiness. And so it is with this world economic forum and communism itself. It offers this promise, and it's illusory. It's a complete, um, um, a complete illusion. It's a mirage. But that's what all of these people do, these false messiahs, these false Christs our Lord talked about. They're all for offering you happiness. And it's actually the, 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 the very sufferings of hell they're offering. Don't buy it. Please don't buy it. You know, if, if, if you hear a voice behind you saying, why did God tell you not to eat of that fruit? Why did God tell you not to do that? Recognize, when you turn around, it's going to be a snake <laughs> behind you, putting it on your head. And just say, because he loves us and he wants us to have everlasting life. And refuse, refuse to be deceived. Mm -hmm. So. Well, Father, thank you. Thank you for everything that you do, and uh, thanks for your time tonight, and God bless you. Well, Tom, thank you, and thank our intrepid viewer for sending that to us, and hopefully there'll be some interest generated and people actually getting their hands on that, looking at it and saying, wow, it's all here. Yeah. <laughs> it's all here. I've got to show that. I've got people who need to see this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Father, and thank you to all of our viewers as well for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady at Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to pray and do penance. Thank you and God bless you.